is Deserter. The podcast that wonders, is it Mondays that are shit, or could it be your life? And in this episode, we'll look at an idea that might tame Mondays and banish drudgery forever, or at least until you have to put the bins out. But we'll be starting with a fascinating roundup of what we've been up to since our last outing. Yes, as sort of the digital equivalent of us showing you our holiday snaps, I suppose. <laughs> Christ. That sounds awful. It does sound awful. Before going on to look at some news-related items in a section we call... Go on, then. News-related items. News-related items. News-related <laughs> items. You happy now? In a weird kind of way, that I am happy, yes. Uh, then we'll be rounding things up with a toe-dip into the hate-fueled cesspit that is social media. I'm really looking forward to it, but mainly I'm looking forward to this pint of Hepcat. Oh, tell me about it. Yes, we're in the sheaf in Borough. Hold up a little later in the day than usual. Yes, why is that? Well, our producer, Matt, you've been away eating your way from the inside of a Cornish pasty, is that correct? This is true, lots of them. Yeah? yeah. Good research, good research, which um, is an ideal segue into our first item, because you went on holiday as well, didn't you, Dirty South? I did. Uh, I went away with the fans to Crete, which was very nice. I found that the pace of life there rather suited a deserter. Mm. Uh, if you start marching around there uh, like you do in London, you'd look like a madman. So, so you don't, and you, you slip into their, their way of doing things, which yeah. is a, you know, a three-hour lunch, uh, which ends with a, a free carafe of raki, the local fire water, mm-hmm. which I became very partial to. Yeah. Um, it, it's polite to accept their gift and, and, and drink it, and uh, you know, I'm nothing if not polite. No, you're a very uh, polite man. Uh, yeah, so I got well into it, and that ushers you beautifully into a nap at about six yes. o'clock in the evening. Yeah, yeah. And you're ready to go again. No but, childcare? Uh, a little, a little, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we managed between us, uh, yeah. there was a few of us, and uh, I could have done with a mucker there at times, I realised. Yeah, uh, a long time, a fortnight, was fortnight. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I found myself, you know, talking to my, uh, my six-year-old in the morning, saying... Um, so how do you reckon Everton are going to get on against Hadjik Split tonight? <laughs> oh, Daddy. <laughs> you need a mate, Daddy. <laughs> well, um, you've got my number for next time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm in a mate. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, no, fair point, fair point. Fair point, well made. How about you? Yeah, well, I've been away as well, nowhere uh, quite as glamorous. I uh, felt it incumbent upon me to visit... Ramsgate again, where they mm-hmm. were opening the biggest spoons in the world. It's history. Last Tuesday. It's history. We had to be there. Me and Cyclo Dunk went down there for the first day. Uh, straight away bumped into a couple of people from Dulwich Hamlet, actually. Waggy and Sarah, who were there on their second honeymoon. Oh, wow. Nice. Or honeyspoon, as they were calling it. <laughs> it's a bit like a Dulwich Hamlet away day. You know, you arrive in a strange town, go straight to the spoons, and just, just without the football. And so, yes, this massive spoons in the, in the pavilion was opened on Tuesday morning at 8am by the mayor, who, uh, legend has it, or at least when I write it up, he'll have, <laughs> <laughs> he... Um, Started it all off with a mega breakfast and a <laughs> bottle of red wine with one glass. <laughs> yes, uh, so that was tremendous. The, the terrace is absolutely wonderful of this huge emporium. It? It's 11,000 square foot of spoons, most of which seems to be out on the terrace. I can't imagine that, really. But it's also looking out all on looks, the sea. All looks out to sea, over the marina and over the town. So it's sort of a wraparound terrace. The inside... 
has the sort of atmosphere of a giant canteen, mm. which of course is basically what spoons are, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, if no, let's not pretend otherwise. Yeah, a licensed canteen, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and uh, it's the biggest uh, spoons in the world, as I say. It's just taken over from Blackpool's Velvet Coaster weather spoons. And the, the story goes, we heard when we were sitting in the Conqueror, in one of the micropubs there, that Ramsgate used to be quite a sort of known for its light shows, its lights, oh, yeah. its illuminations. Mm -hmm. And one year Blackpool asked to borrow Ramsgate's illuminations, which they did. Mm -hmm. uh, we lent it, the Ramsgate lent it to them and um, never got them back. <gasps> the fuckers. Absolutely rotten. So this um, reclaiming of the giant spoons is considered to, in uh, many quarters in Ramsgate to be basically one all. Revenge. Yes. All to play for. Um, but overall, the, yeah, the, the Spoons is the talk of the town and um, it, it lifted the trade in the local pub, so a lot of people worried about... Um, I was do. worried about yeah. that. Yeah. Because you've got lots of lovely little micro-pubs yeah. who One, are, are quite cheap, you know, yeah, and Spoons that will probably be beating them on price, won't they? Yes, uh, they almost certainly are, even, even the micro-pubs, yeah, which are £3 a pint. But the hovering boat in particular said it had a very, very good, very strong week. Um, I think actually the caf it's the cafes that may suffer more because would you believe there are 553 tables in the spoons? Grief. <laughs> I mean, it's a lovely interior. It's just very noisy when it's filled up. Mm. Um, so I think the local cafes might suffer. And sure enough, we went back for breakfast the following day, and um, which was again delightful, but it was very very busy. And during the course of the second day, I started to map out a possible. Um, novella idea, a thriller perhaps. I thought about a man on the run who has to hole up in spoons for a year. Uh, <laughs> there's a part for you in it. Chorley Williamson, the uh, local pastor who likes to administer punishment with a beer bar towel. Yeah, it's good. You're, 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 I'll let you read it first. It's an SM thriller, did I mention? No, no, no. SM thriller, yeah. And. Um, so once I've got this, I went back on the Thursday. I thought, if I am going to have to spend a year in here, <laughs> I'm going to have to know every corner of it. And who should I bump into on this day three? Tim Martin, no Mr. Way. Weatherspoon himself. Wow. Yeah. He's a giant, isn't he? He's, he's tall, yeah, and uh, very amiable indeed. He asked me my name and used it throughout <laughs> the, mm -hmm. the next couple of days. We had a little tour around together, and um, I told him my idea of, for the S&M thriller, and he suggested I move in. And he's got a special room <laughs> out back. We got on famously, actually, although we didn't talk about Brexit. No, from the best. On which he has yeah. some rather uh, odd, odd, views. odd views, yeah. Yeah. But it was fun, uh, a very fun week, and uh, I've come back. I would love to say refreshed, but I think the word is knackered. Yeah. Yeah, I had to. I also had a, a domestic week trip away. I went to Hackney uh, oh. for a weekend by mistake. So I went on. Uh, I had tickets for a gig. Me and Lady South tickets for a gig at the Moth Club. Uh, so we went to uh, Mayor Street on um, a Saturday night, mm. and and I was just saying, I'm glad I don't have to come here very often. <laughs> didn't really didn't like, like it. Didn't like it very much actually. No. Um, and then when we got to. Uh, the venue, we found that I had tickets for the following night, oh, the Sunday night. That is um, very you. It was very me, yes. yes. So we were going to have to come back again. Uh, I don't know what was going on on the Saturday night. There was some kind of camp hipster parody on the door who was curating, uh, 
I don't know, a bar. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were quite happy to get away, but not to have to come back the next day. Yeah, I didn't really like it very much. It did, it did, I did go to the Cock Tavern, which had lovely Howling Hops ale, yeah. but not terribly welcoming. Even when we had tickets for the place, it didn't seem terribly welcoming. And it just seemed to be like a, a place that had the hump. Yeah, a bit like so Mare Street was aptly named then? Yeah, Nightmare on Mare cool. Street. We did like it when we went up the Cyclo Dunks, didn't we, around the, uh, the wharf areas and the, the water. Yes, areas. I like it around the water. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. lovely, yeah. I'm sort of jealous of the canal, really. Yeah, absolutely. Why did we fill them in in South London? Yeah. What else did I do? Oh, yeah, I had a late lunch with Pompey Dunk in an unmarked Kurdish restaurant in Peckham, which he's asked me not to say the name of. Right, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be cross or you'll be cross with you dirt and while we were lunching there he told me there's, there was a mead festival on Sunday at Gosnell's Mead Brewery in off, the 21st century off the Chadwick Road yeah um, have you had mead? I have had mead, yes. I've had it. I've had Gosnells. You've, well you've been to Gosnells, haven't you? Yeah, it's a delightful light industrial estate. I, I love drinking in a light Me industrial estate. Me too. I mean, I don't really understand anything else that happens on a light industrial estate. So I don't think anything else happens. I think they're just for drinking, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this was um, Gosnells Mead and a handful of South London breweries, including Orbit, Brick and Village, which had all made... Villages. Villages. <laughs> villages. <laughs> I refuse to say that. Yeah, Deptford's Villages, which had all made sort of mead-inspired ale, oh, which went down. Interesting. Went, yeah, very, very interesting. Did you know that mead is supposedly human, humankind's oldest alcohol? I didn't know that. I mean, I think I knew that, that the first booze was made out of, made with honey, yeah. Yeah, fermented with honey, that's yeah. right. But I suppose it would have been, that would have made it, made it me, probably. Yeah, I guess. Um, and um, so we drank a lot of Gosnell's own, a lot of the guest beers and then we ended up with a bit more of Gosnell's own absolutely delicious mm. but it did knacker our insides well oh. yeah we've been pissing honey ever since right well I'm glad you spared not through some of the <laughs> <laughs> he didn't spare it no. <laughs> promised you would <laughs> topic uh, for this episode is something we have alluded to in uh, podcasts gone by. We have. But we haven't really focused on. No. Is a universal basic income, or as we prefer to call it, free money for everybody. Yes. And what is universal basic income? Well, I think it's an idea born of the recognition that while capitalism is very good at creating wealth, or capital, the clue, I suppose, being in the name... It is fucking dreadful at distributing that wealth. Shithouse. <laughs> All that happens is that enormous wealth ends up in the hands of very few. Am I right? And yes. And that's we're not one of them. Yeah. We'd like to change things. Yes, absolutely. How about, goes the uh, line, if we just gave everyone five, six, seven hundred quid a month. Eight hundred quid a month. That's everyone, even those who are in work. So if you've got some work, you can uh, supplement, uh, your work would supplement your basic income. Uh-huh. Everyone would get this. Mm. It sounds amazing, doesn't it? It sounds, it like, does. it sounds utopian, a dream. Yes. You know, it's been around, I think, since around 1800s, the agrarian mm. reform, Thomas Paine and so on, this idea. Um, but it's actually uh, currently being trialled in the Netherlands, in Finland, 
Hawaii's considering because the results are so positive. Wow, free uh, money and sunshine. Absolutely. Yeah. And in Scotland, free money and rain because mm -hmm. they've also given it the green light to be researched. Um, so, yeah, rain, money. Midges? No, I think everyone's normal height in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> So how would it be paid for? How would it I, be paid for? I hear one person asking. Um, the idea is it's paid for by the abolition of much of the welfare apparatus. So um, includes, this includes the means-tested benefits, of course, and pensions. You know, you wouldn't need to have pensions because basically, as you once advocated, you get your pension early. Yeah, you get your pension now. as soon as you hit 16 or 18 or whatever age we decide on. Yeah. So there's no need for it. Everyone's going to get this uh, this basic income. In addition, you may need some further uh, hikes in taxation, or we thought just simply legalise and tax drugs. Yep. Um, cream off the money and uh, give it to us so that we could buy more of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a virtuous circle. And uh, so, universal basic income, the, what are the positives? Almost immediately in these uh, trials, um, crime reduced, health improves, health and diet improve, yeah. hospitalisation rates declined, um, personal savings went up, debt went down. There was also no increase in alcohol and tobacco consumption. Oh, so it's not all positive. No, it was a little bit sad to, to read that, but mm. um, you know, maybe people need to get tired, you know, get used to it. I mean, the yeah. other angle is that perhaps if you don't have a job, you um, don't need to go and get wankered on a Friday night. No, exactly. You might not have that desperate, desperate urge to get out of it because your your, your life's a bit more interesting than endless drudgery. Yeah, uh, and. And then, of course, the other positive aspect is ideation occurs. Right. Entrepreneurs mm. are born. And not only yeah. are entrepreneurs born, but customers are born because they have five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds <laughs> a month in their pockets. Mm. The naysayers suggest that people might get lazy. Oh, that's yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, like that's a bad yeah, Exactly. I mean, uh, not an intrinsically pejorative word, lazy, mm. in my view. No. <laughs> but what they're perhaps talking about is that the people are giving up their pointless shit jobs in order to do a little bit more of what they're passionate about. Exactly. I mean, I imagine one of the biggest obstacles is public acceptance. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, it makes me wonder, you know, what is wrong with us? You know, somebody says to you, do you want free money? And you say, no, I'd rather dig a hole in the road mm. all day, mm. and then you give me money. Yes. There's nothing wrong with you, but... It's not going to happen, is it? It's not going to happen, no. The only people that say that people um, might, like that might suffer seem to me to be the rich. The only, the, when I was looking at all the people that are against basic income, they all seem to be very well-off individuals. Right. Which made me think that there is something in it. Yes, yes. <laughs> if, that, if that lot's against it. Yeah, I think it's different for vocational work. Yes. Uh, I mean, if you're a nurse or a teacher or a bar person, oh, yes. you're, you're mostly concerned with our well-being and you yeah. still care enough exactly. to do those things. You might just uh, go down to three days a week. You might do, and you, you'd still get the benefit, and you'd, so you would uh, be better off than, than most people. Absolutely. Which is exactly as it should be for nurses, teachers and, and bar, bar staff. staff. Yes. 
Yes, it comes down, I think, to whether you could consider work is important in and of itself as yeah. a thing, you know. Uh, is it natural? Um, I think the regular listeners know where we stand on that point. I mean, we, we think probably most work is designed to keep us in line and subjugate us and make us fearful of poverty debt and death. Mm. But what we're not talking about is endeavour born of one's own passions and free time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, things like cleaning could be a problem, you know, um, who's going to want to do cleaning, but... I thought I could get you over one day a week. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Well, you've got half five over. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, we've got robots for that, sure. That's true. Dirty, grateful robots. If we can put a man on Australia, we can make a robot clean the bog. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of Half-Life, I thought it might be an interesting um, case study because uh, this is our friend Half-Life. He has an, what we might call a non-standard income. Yeah, £40 an ounce. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say he, he, he has an income that he derives from his weekend bicycle delivery service. <laughs> um, but that allows him to flourish artistically, doesn't it, with his, frankly, terrifying poetry. <laughs> <laughs> and allows him to abuse his agent on a regular basis. There was one paper recently I uh, discovered that has called for universal basic income to be funded by an increase in Bitcoin transaction fees. Oh. The Bitcoin, this uh, non-centralised cryptocurrency, um, could have a, a you know, small percentage added to its transaction fee as you know, use of it increases, and indeed as Bitcoins increase. Which I thought was interesting because Bitcoin, as a, as a non-fiat currency, it does seem to have the opportunity to itself be a mechanism of distribution of wealth. You know, it's a bit mm. like uh, printing more money, isn't it? Yes. But it does have real, <coughs> real value and, of course, has had a phenomenal growth in value lately. Um, mm. I think the, uh, one of the early transactions was for 10,000 Bitcoin was used to buy two Papa John's pizzas. <laughs> Um, and back in 2009 or 10, um, 10,000 Bitcoin is now worth £45 million. Mm. And um, the other thing I read that was interesting is $1. If you'd bought a dollar worth of Bitcoin in 2010, you'd now be a dollar millionaire. And you remember Jan? 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 Jan. Jan. Yeah, yeah. He hates being called Jan. That's why, <laughs> that's why you keep doing it. I know. Jan, uh, Jan is Roxy's... X. Mm. And um, she, I remember her telling us, uh, do you remember, she said that Jan had taken her savings and his savings, to be fair, and some money he'd borrowed from his family and friends and piled it all into Bitcoin. Wow. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. Yeah. I, if anyone talks about money, I just turn off. Yeah. Really. Well, I, I remember her telling us that, and uh, that must have been a couple of years ago, at least. Right. 2015. So if her savings were, let's say... Well, she's always skinny, isn't she? But, I mean, she may have managed to scrape together a couple of grand, I suppose, life savings. Right. If she'd given that to Jan uh, in 2015, mm -hmm. when they were worth $200 each, Bitcoins, and there's been a 1,200% increase since then, I've uh, calculated. Let's call it 1,000 to right. pair on the side of caution. That would make Roxy's savings work now worth 3 million quid. Holy <laughs> fuck. She just gets sexier, doesn't she? <laughs> Roxy, I thought, might be able to pay for universal basic income. <laughs> Hours. Yeah. <laughs> as, long as, we can get her, as long as we can get her out. The only problem with that, of course, is Jan's been binned. 
and I bet he's yeah. taken the electronic he's key got in the, the key, key wallet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wanker, I never liked him. No, me neither. Mainly because he was going out with Roxy. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all very well Bitcoin, but um, gold can protect you from nuclear radiation. <laughs> yes, that's right, yeah. Um, Bitcoin's real value suddenly. no such protection. Checkmate, checkmate Bitcoin, Bitcoin, as someone yeah, said. Yeah, someone said on, online. Yeah. If you're interested in um, following up with a bit more about universal basic income, and to be honest, I can't see why you would be after our fulsome <laughs> roundup on the subject. Yeah, but, and it's everything we're you need today. But if you are, I find at Scott Santens on Twitter is a very good person to follow. Lots of insight and articles about universal basic income. And for an insight into the economic rationale behind the movement, I'm currently reading Andre Gauze's Critique of Economic Reason. I have to be honest, there's not a lot of laughs in it, mm. and not even any pictures. Oh. <laughs> so one, one to um, read when you're not stoned, perhaps. Yeah. When was that again? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, last word from me on the, on, on the subject of spreading the money around. To paraphrase Tony Benn, if we can find the money to kill people, we can find the money to help people put their feet up and have another sausage. <laughs> Where are we? News-related items. News-related items. News-related items. Pub and beer news. Let's start off with that because um, it's been too long since we mentioned beer. Mm. First up was the uh, the row about the cloud water. Double IPA. Yes. Did you see that? I did see that, yes. It all centred on the rake, which is just around the corner from mm. here, isn't it? Um, and one of our favourites. And one of our favourites. This was a Cloudwater Double IPA Citra and Amarillo, which they were uh, selling for £13.40 a pint. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's a lot of reaction. It went viral. You need a Bitcoin um, to pay for it. That's very true, yeah. Or half... I think I felt about this, I don't know about you, but I felt there's a little bit of overreaction, to be honest with you, and yeah. I shall tell you for why. First of all, the beer itself is very, very strong. It's 9%, so you probably wouldn't be drinking it in pints anyway. I personally mean it's not expensive. I personally wouldn't buy it at £7.80 half or whatever it is, no. £6.20. Oh, I can't work out. No, because it's only Six sort of twice, say, the strength of, yeah. of uh, you know, a pale ale. Yes, that's true, yeah. But it's three times the price. Yeah. Um, I thought more compelling was the fact that um, the rake explained that cloud water would only deliver to them directly if they bought a pallet. And of course, yeah. anyone knows that the rake knows that it's tiny. There's nowhere to store a, to store a pallet. Yeah. And uh, finally, um, one of the Uto beer boys said that the gross profit for them. Uh, for the keg was £22. Yeah, yeah, that's nothing, isn't it? I mean, the point about the pallet is that cloud water couldn't deliver to them in a small amount, and so they had to get a distributor. Sorry, yeah, there's a markup. There's a markup by a middleman, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we all acknowledge it's expensive, but the rake is a purveyor of fine beers, many of which are under or around £5, so it's not like you have to buy it. Yeah, I mean, the row sort of implied that that somebody is making a ton of money out of it, yes. and that's not really the case. Uh, no, it's not, no. Uh, the rake is just up trying to provide a great variety of, of great beers. Yes, including this 
mm. rather overpriced. Yes, in other beer news, Lagunitas, uh, yeah. the, uh, are they California, I think, the brewer? Uh, are they not Lagunitas, as I heard someone set call them uh, <laughs> recently? They've produced Supercritical IPA, which is a weed infused IPA. At last? Is, yeah. No, one, uh, hang on, hang on. That was our idea. It was our idea, yeah. I mean, probably not the first, but yeah. Did, but we executed it. We could make well, a mint out of this. Yes, we allegedly them. we did. Let's sue them and put a brewery out of business. That's what we're all about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if it makes us a little money, you know, there's, there's, sometimes there's uh, casualties. Uh, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no THC in it, unfortunately. Oh fuck it! Forget it. Then let's move on to the next item. <laughs> well, so it's just the flavour. It's just it? the flavour, you know. Yeah. It's just bound to just make you think. Oh, I really fancy sparking up a fat one. Yeah. Next up was uh, Sutton's Radio Lewisham's replacement for the Ravensbourne Arms from Antic um, is delayed. Uh, There's no dates. Not, no yeah. dates. Not only for opening, but no dates for the required structural work that needs doing. I saw that. Um, that was according to Lewisham Lately, a, right. a blog okay. and a Twitter Don't feed, which know. was a new one on me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's disappointing. Uh, it doesn't look like there's an awful lot going on there, um, especially as they closed the Ravensbourne, because uh, yeah. we could have had three months of ale and bar billiards if they yes, that open. Yes, exactly. Uh, they've, they've removed pleasure from our lives. However, in the next item... Maybe some pleasures being put back into our lives. Oh. Do you remember Aaron Barnes in the saga of the Alexander at the Penge? We are the thirds. The thirds. That's right. They only served beer in two thirdses. Right. That's right. And Aaron got in touch to say, yeah, "I can confirm that's true. The rumours are true. Please don't blame the poor people of Penge." Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a twist in the tale. Oh. Yes. Don't. Can you guess what it is? Don't tell me they're doing quarters. I'm going to get very angry if they're doing quarters. <laughs> Shots of beer. Aaron got in touch. Um, he just screened, uh, took a photo of the bar. There's a small sign now at the bar that says, Pints now available. Hurrah! <laughs> oh, well, I'm very happy, especially for the people of Penge. Yeah, and I'm going to order a pint and two thirds when I go in. And the same for my friend. Um, I'll have three thirds, please. Yes, <laughs> three thirds, please. Three thirds. Um... So that was good to know, and I'd, I, you know, I'd like to say it was due to our ongoing and diligent campaign. Yes. But, uh, I'd forgotten all about it. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, uh, we were going to have a, a new section here, weren't we, mm. to herald in um, the new series. Series 2. Yeah, this is Series 2. To, one of the key differences between this, Series 2, and that, Series 1, was that we were going to have Heather. We'd finally... Mm persuaded Heather to come on mic. She's yeah. going to talk us through some of the uh, the merchandise uh, available for Christmas, dessert and merchandise. And where is she? She's gone fucking AWOL. Oh, Jesus. She's gone AWOL. I mean, technically, I understand it is her holiday. Right, I see. <laughs> Absent with leave. Absent with leave, yeah. Um, I thought that was... That was um, a bit of a shame, but we would hope to get her in for the remainder of the series, or some of the remainder of the series, as long as she's not on holiday yeah. every time we do it. Um, it's quite nice not having a look in through that window, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so in her absence, I thought we'd uh, maybe read out one of <laughs> Vadim's emails. Did you see this? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Vadim's our commercial manager, and uh, he does have a... Uh, he does a hard time of it sometimes, because essentially we say No. no. 
but he's well he, we're looking for brewers and soft furnishings exactly he's had to branch out he has but even Vadim's getting the ideas he sent through this potential branded content idea with the note saying I'm assuming this is a no go this um, was from a woman who wrote I'm writing because as a mum one of my biggest worries is keeping the house clean for my children illnesses like norovirus and E. coli can spread so easily one way I've done this is to install antimicrobial countertops in my kitchen these special kitchen countertops actually kill microorganisms like norovirus and E. coli now I'm a content manager for a growing kitchen countertop website one di- while doing some research I came across deserter website and immediately thought your readers would be interested in how antromicrobial countertops can stop germs spreading in their homes perhaps you could mention it on your blog <laughs> um, so we thought we'd throw it out to you I mean if you are interested in uh, countertops of I would say any type just yes. let us know and yeah. um, we can make that happen for you sure yeah I, you know she said that she read cleaning the home I think she saw the title didn't she because if she'd read our article on cleaning the home she would know that it that was the one where you got half-life over didn't yeah, you and you ended yeah, up having a party. party and we had a party <laughs> trashed the flat and uh, several people were arrested <laughs> <laughs> oh it was a great night great night that was a Sunday <laughs> Okay, so yeah, next time maybe we'll have uh, Heather, but uh, in the meantime, Vadim, sorry, that is a no go. That is a no, yeah. Elsewhere in South London, Pussy Riot, you may uh, recall. Yes. They are appearing, well, they're not appearing at uh, Goldsmiths, but uh, one of their members, Maria Alyakina, who was one of the uh, two of them that spent two years in a Russian jail for dancing in a church. Um, They called it. Hooliganism motivated by religious hatred. Oh, that's why we like them. That's why we like them, yes, yes. So she's going to be speaking at the Centre of uh, Investigative Journalism at Goldsmiths on September mm. the 13th. So, yes, I mean, she had, she had two years in a Russian nick, so uh, if you want to uh, tell her how you suffered with the price of a pint in New Cross, yeah. do get in. <laughs> I did listen to um, one of their hits, Straight Out of Vagina, Oh, um, once. <laughs> Never want to listen to it again, but I do admire what they stand for. Of course, of course we do. Uh, I, I read that uh, on uh, Transpontine. Transpontine, Transpontine, maybe, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, That's Jason, isn't it? Is it? I thought so. Oh, might be well, it's very good. I do, do uh, like what they do very much. Um, uh, and uh, he pointed out that... Um, there's a painting of Pussy Riot at the Ladywell Tavern. Uh, if oh, they're in South London, they could pop along. Yes. Um, which so, just shows it's a small world. Full of pubs. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> the writer Ian Sinclair is leaving London. I mm. uh, don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, he's been called London's greatest living chronicler. Oh, so nice. it's disappointing that, and very sad that he is leaving the area. He mostly writes on London and psychogeography yeah, uh, yeah. walks around London didn't he do he walked around the M25 he did he? London Orbital and, yes um, was one of his around the overground as well I think London uh-huh. Overground yeah yeah he recently did The Last London I think is, is you know him, him saying goodbye to a city which I think he used to love I'm not sure he does anymore and he called, he started at the Shard and I think he went to Barking and Croydon but mm. um, he called the Shard an ice dagger an implanted floor in the eye. It moves as we move, available to dominate every London entry point. 
Um, very nice. But as our friend Chris Presley uh, said, when because he kept oh, yeah. spotting the shard, you know, it, it, it would really, leap out at him. It would leap it, out from behind him, yeah. the building. Yeah. So he would he would get, do hashtag shard attack. Yeah, that's whenever he saw it. Very good. I like shard attack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Ian Sinclair. He's a fantastic writer and very observant. But it sounds like he's tired of London. Oh. And uh, where's he and, going? And you know, and you know what I say to people who are tired of London. Fuck off back to Norwich. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think he's going to Peru actually. I think he's got some interesting stories to uncover mm. there. But uh, oh, well, it's better than just kind of Brighton. I know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Slightly more adventurous. Yes. yes. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe he'll like it a bit more when he gets back. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If he gets back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, he, he as London's greatest living chronicler, who will replace him? Chris, Chris Presley, Presley yeah, yeah, Chris Presley, yeah. Uh, or do you know anybody that's writing a book about London? Search me. Us. Ah, oh, yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Admittedly, just yeah. about South London. Yes. Yeah. An abuser's guide to South London. Uh, we were hoping to uh, report great progress on that mm. uh, the, on this uh, podcast, mm, uh, mm. but there hasn't been great. Progress has there, but still, I think uh, our agent and publisher are lock, horns locked. It's um, coming, it's coming, keeper. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> More news on that, possibly this time next year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, another uh, possible departure uh, is the Quietus. Uh, do you know the Quietus? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, it's Europe's biggest fully independent music and culture website. It's just had its ninth birthday and it may not make it to its tenth. Uh, they explained the reasons uh, as thus. Imagine an egg that a seven-year-old has painted the face of Jarvis Cocker onto. Now picture a Cyberman on shore leave, pissed up at last orders. Now picture that Cyberman with a semi on and a heart full of hatred, punching the Jarvis egg with all its terrible might. Do you see the problem? <laughs> um, another way to put it is that ad revenue is down 90%. Ah, so, so just as ours is soaring, this <laughs> uh, is declining. Yes, so uh, if you have enjoyed The Quietus, uh, if they've turned you on to new music, do consider uh, chucking them some cash. Us. Uh, us some cash, and yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll pass on, on a percentage to them. Is it, is it possibly uh, also because everyone's just listening to Big Mouth these days? Could be, yes. It could be, uh, yeah, it's a crowded field. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of North Korea, is it? North Korea? Is that, um, is that Norfolk? No, it's uh, in Asia. Oh. It's above South Korea. <laughs> and... <laughs> And they've been in the news lately, I understand, um, yeah. due to testing some nuclear warheads and being sort of chivied along oh. by Trump and China and Japan and so on. And um, they, they, there seems to be thre- hanging over the world a threat oh. of nuclear Armageddon. Good grief. I, I'm against modern Armageddon uh, in a funny sort of way. Yes, I think uh, it's funny you should say that because the, the nuclear Armageddon has unified right and left. Everyone seems to be against it mm. uh, they're all down on it no one's really considering the positives <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of course ever the contrarian we um, did have a chat about some of the positives of uh, a nuclear world war mm. and wondered um, essentially if a bomb did drop on London would it be that bad <laughs> uh, I mean first of all the first thing to consider is um, your work would be gone 
Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have to get up for work. You know, you can lie in bed with radiation sickness for as long as you like, essentially. Bonus. We would actually counsel going into work, however, because um, there'll be no one there. Yeah. You've got nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And you can get some time off in lieu when the dust has settled. Yeah. Or some paper Quite clips. literally. Yeah, or do some nicking. Mm. When you go in, there'll be room on the trains for once. You know, it's impossible getting them on, on them at the moment. And for those that... Um, don't have any work at the moment there'll be a real surge in job vacancies for decontaminators Mm. whole armies of them will be required another factor for Londoners in particular is that shortly after a nuclear explosion in the centre of London air pollution would marginally improve (laughs) which which would um, be just delicious wouldn't it just shortly before catastrophic organ failure to have Mm. a couple of lungfuls of polluted contaminated radioactive air beautiful um, on the dating front um, the, <laughs> the, the playing field will be very much levelled oh yes uh, I mean everybody will be hideously disfigured yeah and um, you can actually make a sort of um, a backstory for all yourself. those ladies who've never previously given you a second glance of course yeah, course, yeah. yeah. and uh, they need never know that you were always you know, <laughs> Frightening to barnyard animals. Um, you can even make up a little backstory about your modelling career mm. you know, before it happened, how successful you were, just you, you were on your way to your uh, second appointment when the, uh, the bomb dropped, etc. Um, looting, the, you can get that high five yeah. finally that you've promised yourself. That's um, a lot of plus points. Huh? Really, really. I mean, one of, the, one of the main ones is I think that the, uh, the froth will come off London's hot property market. Oh, um, there are praise be. There are there are rumours that in uh, the event of nuclear extermination, that uh, stamp duty may be slashed. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, if you can get a stay alive for three months, you might even get an offer accepted. <laughs> and um, just on a final note for renters, if you're not in a position to buy, um, radioactive decontamination is the responsibility of your landlord. <laughs> yes, so good luck with that. Uh, I did see somebody finding a solution to the the, the diplomatic problem that uh, is occurring with North Korea. Uh, Jamie McDonald posted on uh, Hardcore 91-94's Facebook page. Uh, he was saying that North Korea might be the only country in the world where they've never heard of Hardcore or Jungle Techno. Uh, get them hooked on amens and bass lines and a healthy dose of MDMA. Oh, yeah. This might stop a nuclear war. Old rave tapes strapped to balloons would be a good place to start. Yeah. Uh, it was a lovely thought, um, mm. but personally, I'd suggest scrap the jungle and just send the molly. Yeah, OK. I mean, that would really do the trick. Yes, or yes. even better, fuck North Korea and give me the molly. He's back. I thought I was worried about you there for a minute. There he goes, there no, he goes. No longer give a shit about Armageddon. <laughs> Indeed. OK, well, um, maybe that is time to move on to social media. Do you have any mm. more news? No, that's all the news. That is all the news. Items. Yes, uh, that's all the news. So social media, things, what we've seen on uh, social media that amused us. Um, talking of universal basic income earlier on, mm. uh, that million Bevs uh, got in touch to alert us to a thread of his thoughts. He's a, he's a, he's been a contributor to Dessert, hasn't he? I think he... I think he has, yes. I think he wrote a piece. Uh, yeah. He came, he's come up with universal beer income. I like it's, it. It's sort of it's sort of a shortcut to what 
really were probably going to spend it on. Yeah. Um, yes, he writes, just tax the rich and give us all a cash allowance to drink beer. Mm. This would dispel the myth that everyone on benefits spends it on alcohol by creating a benefit specifically for alcohol. It's so simple, isn't it's it? It's genius. Um, People would be able to work less hours and spend their universal beer income in the pub. I mean, it's just so simple and beautiful mm. that um, we would like to make it happen. Yeah. Yes, it reminds me of uh, beer coin. Uh, Good idea. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, the British Museum uh, tweeted a cuneiform tablet that uh, showed workers being paid in beer in the year 3000 BC. Yes, yes. It makes you wonder, are we really making progress? Now we've got tokens that we have to exchange for beer. Just give us the beer. Yeah. Cut out the middle, man. Beer coin. I love it. Yeah, that's brilliant, mate. That's brilliant. Um, What's up next? Oh, Job Seeker. Job Seeker. Job Seeker, yeah. We really, very much enjoyed Scott Theckett's campaign to change the Job Centre hold music to Job Seeker by mm. the Sleaford Mods. Yeah. He writes, The current hold music is not a good reflection of the mood of the majority of people who are calling and sometimes waiting for hours to speak to somebody. Surely the time is right after years of austerity to change the hold music from Vivaldi to something more fitting like Sleaford Mods. Um, if, you're not, if you're unfamiliar with Job Seeker, it includes lines such as, So, Mr Williamson, what have you done in order to find gainful employment since your last signing on date? Fuck all, I've been sat around the house wanking. <laughs> Only stands at 800 supporters on change.org. Nice one, Scott. Yeah. Uh, and they're playing at Brixton Academy, aren't they, uh, in a couple of weeks? Yes. Uh, I think there might be a couple of tickets left. Are there? I believe so, oh, yes. I've, I've already got mine. Me too. Oh, are you going? Mm. Oh, brilliant. Um, okay, uh, you were going to say a little bit about Zoe's elephant piece, weren't you? Yes. Uh, yeah, Zoe Ellsmore sent in a piece on the Elephant Castle Shopping Centre, uh, which is about to close down, and, and people loved it, didn't they? It was a yes. great response to it. It was a very personal piece, quite emotional. Um, Something that we've often spoken about as well, our love of the Yes, it's centre. nice to see that... We weren't alone, and uh, neither was Zoe. No. I mean, it generally garnered a positive response. There were some dissenters, weren't they? Yeah, uh, there always are. But yeah. there, there always are who just wanted to get rid of it, but um, mm. a lot of them perhaps hadn't been there uh, yeah. for a while. Um, they still got a sort of um, pared-down underground magic that yes. certainly won't be there when it's a steel and glass yeah, hub I mean, of learning and shopping. Well, I hope it's not going to be like a Westfield, you know. Um, yeah. Um, and the South American community is, yes. is very noticeable there. I, you know, I, I, I fear they might, might not be noticeable in whatever comes next. Mm. Uh, I have another reason for, for wanting to stay there. It's a place that has memories for me. Um, on top of the shopping centre is Hannibal House. Mm. Uh, and, I, and that was where I had my first job when I was 16. Uh-oh, I and, think I know what's coming. And my boss was a um, married woman of about... 40 years who um, had, a, had a slight glamour and she she, um, she used to uh, get me drunk at lunchtime in the Charlie Chaplin uh, which then you could get to through the, through the shop yeah, yeah. upstairs uh, send everybody home and then chase me around the office trying to get my pants down 
she, I was very quick. She did. She did catch me a couple of times. Yeah. She. She. Uh, yeah. And I, I was just sixteen, so I was slightly terrified. You know. Yeah. By the time I was sixteen and a half, I was thinking, Oh my God! You know, this is such a wonderful opportunity to be tutored in the ways of love by an older woman on the top of the Elephant Castle <laughs> shopping centre. <laughs> So I'll be very sad to see it. Uh, it's another memory dashed, isn't mm-hmm. it? Do yeah. you know why um, why the Elephant Castle is called the Elephant Castle? Well, I've heard why. I don't know. Okay. Well, it's yeah, probably I mean, not are, true. It's probably not true. There are a lot. If it's anything to do with the Infanta of Castile, oh. it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, what else we've got? Oh, dating is hard. You might remember us mentioning dating is hard, a new, a new uh, Twitter idea it was at the time. Yes. From, uh, yes, Tom. That is now... Uh, it's happening. It's happening, yeah. dating is hard. And we're still very much enjoying it. This is when people are sort of uh, uh, s- sending in their screenshots of uh, dating difficulties and problems that they've encountered on various apps like Tinder and Bumble and so on. Mm. There was one that I enjoyed recently, um, a screenshot chat exchange that Dating Is Hard posted, which ran, are you Katniss from Hunger Games? No. Well, you're causing an uprising in my pants. Wow. You like that? No, not really. Are you lesbian? No. Then what are wrong with my penis? Good luck, Brilliant. everyone dating. Yeah. <laughs> dating is hard. Isn't dating it? is hard. Really is absolutely, hard. yeah. And Especially then, for aliens. Indeed, indeed, yes. We saw um, someone uh, posted on Twitter. Have I got who did it? Oh my God, I haven't got who did it, sorry. Yes, a little sign in a window uh, in a newsagent, a notice in a newsagent in Greenwich between the Ibis and the theatre, which read Appeal, I am an alien. I came to Earth two years ago. I am lonely. Are there any other aliens out there? No nutters, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, very good. I mean, that's that shop. You know, there are a lot of sort of comedy cards there. Uh, so, I remember a few years ago, yes. somebody put up a um, a card saying. Um, they had a, a for sale darts trophy. Yeah, would but, suit someone called Keith Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that news agent is in Greenwich is worth keeping an eye on because um, someone's yeah. having a bit of luck. It costs them five pounds a week to have those notices in there, so we may as well. If, if only I could mention, uh, remember who tweeted it in, tweeted it to us, but yeah, I can't remember. I can't. You know, mm. we're funny first, accuracy second. That's our mantra. That's if what that. we're sticking to. You know, <laughs> maybe something else first. <laughs> Funny a bit further. Yeah. <laughs> That's our producers being. <laughs> well, uh, I think that's it for this time, isn't it? Uh, you can I find reckon. us on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta. Please rate and review us on iTunes uh, if you've enjoyed us. Yeah, no chance of that. Um, thanks to Matt Hall, the Tony Visconti of the podcast world, for production duties. <laughs> Thanks to the chief for putting up with us again. And thanks to you for listening. There's quite a lot of you now, judging by all the emails we get. Yes. Imagine how busy we'd be if we actually read them. (laughs) Right, well, it's a bit odd not being able to go for lunch now, isn't it? It is a bit odd. I've got an idea, though. Uh Uh-oh. It's your round, isn't it? Uh, maybe. Yes, great. (laughs) Because you know what I fancy? 
Oh, God. A pint of one of those lovely cloud water dippers we were talking about. I knew it. Don't you fancy one of those as well, Matt? Can I just have the money? I've got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I've got something else on it. <laughs> what, something else on? Why? What's wrong with our penis? <laughs> Barman! <laughs> Don't ask him. 